Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Today we are going to be talking about preaching. And I have with me several hosts and one guest host back with us. Guest host Neil Nelson. Glad you're with us, brother, from the wild north there. Great to be here. Is it cold up there right now? Is it already snowing here in August? 70 degrees, 40 at night. Oh, okay. There you go. 40 at night. Uh, <laughs> That's a little Jacob. abnormal. <laughs> Matthew Jacobs is joining us. Yes, you're here, brother. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit jealous. You know, that 40 at night sounds amazing to me. You know, it's when you're a big nice. guy, cool weather is the preferred. Uh, Chris Shoemate is with us. How you doing, Chris? Good. Thanks for having me again. And Jaron Street, way up top, Rome Mountain. Glad to be back. All right. Brothers, let's just start this conversation out with the types of preaching. I think everybody on here is a preacher. And uh, apparently, we took, we had, some of us had different professors we took in seminary, and then some of us have different experiences. We've said under different types of preachers, uh, what are some different types of preaching that we see in local churches? So I have a weird experience probably for most people that I've learned so far. Every pastor I've ever sat underneath has been an, an expositor. And so and that's been my entire life. Every pastor has been an expositor that I've sat under. All right, well, let's go ahead and start with the, I would say, probably based on this group of hosts is the preferred method of preaching of everybody that's in this uh, podcast. But let's give a quick definition for those that may be listening about what an expository sermon is. Do you want to try to do that, Matthew, and tell us what that is? So the simplest definition I can come up with, an expositor is someone who preaches through books of the Bible and preaches chapter and verse. So he'll sit there and go through one text today. And he's going to unpack what does this one text have for us and its meaning? How does it relate to us currently? And what are we supposed to do in response to hearing God's word? Um, but it's normally, you're not jumping around to a bunch of verses. You're staying in one chunk of text and diving into what it has to say. Yeah, an exponential ver- sermon will focus primarily on the text, whatever that text is, in its context. And it will... Uh, let that set the agenda for the main point of the sermon and any sub points that will be made. So um, can you, let's, let's see, maybe an example of a expositional sermon outline. We could say James chapter one, verses 12 through 15, the origin of temptation, verses 13 and 14, you know, not from God, inward desires, the result of the yield of temptation in verse 15, and the reward of enduring temptation in verse 12. So you can see it's all staying in James. It's all very connected with that. Uh, the, what are the advantages of expositional sermon for the church? Expositional preaching, I mean. I don't think one of them, um, Chris, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. You got this. I was just going to say that I think one of the main benefits is that you're really attempting to let God's word speak for itself. You're not trying to impose your opinions or um, whatever onto the text. You're just bringing out the fullness of what is there in terms of, of how God spoke through that biblical author 
in that context and how it relates to our context and makes a difference in our lives today. Yeah. I think a subset of that is if you're preaching expository, you're working through books of the Bible and you're showing people how to draw from what God's word says. I think it's also a very simple way of teaching the church how to study the Bible on their own. If they see the standard and the principles you take into preaching and then take that same principle into studying in their devotional time, they're going to start to study the Bible exponentially and not just, I'm just going to open the Bible to wherever it falls today and read that. So that they start to develop a methodology of how to study it. And I think one of the strengths is that it also helps the congregation to see the sufficiency of scripture Uh, to go along with what uh, Matthew just said. uh, You were showing them that uh, the text speaks today uh, that all of God's word has something to say to us and that it's not so much a mentality of letting the Bible fall open to where it may and hoping that there's going to be something that's just uh, lines right up with whatever you think or see is going on in the world today, but understanding that uh, the Bible is the word of God, that God has spoken and that every part of it has meaning and relevance to us uh, today, something that we can learn and that our faith can feed on uh, today. What, what are hurdles in expositional preaching? Is What is difficult about expositional preaching? Sometimes, to be honest, there's parts of scripture you'd rather not address. Like I know for me, and I'm just going to throw this one out here, the ending of Mark's gospel. I don't want to talk about handling snakes in church. Although there is nothing about that that sounds great to me. Well, just tell them it wasn't part of the original text and move on. <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> but but you, a lot of times the, the difficulty is you can't avoid stuff in God's word that you don't want to deal with. You, you have to address the issues. Um, and sometimes that's hard. How do you preach through the uh, uh, genealogy narratives? You know what I mean? In the Old Testament, the New Testament. How do you deal with Leviticus? Even even another question of Proverbs, which are very good. You know, they're a bit like antibiotics. They're high concentrated forms of truth. But, you know, how do you do three Proverbs in one sermon? Or do you just do one? And how does it not inevitably dwindle into a, a different form of preaching, which is topical or textual uh, or, you know, so. And another thing, there are there are uncomfortable passages in the Bible, right? You know, I, I was thinking of the passage where Moses's wife cut off their son's foreskin and threw it at the feet of Moses and said, you're a bloody bridegroom to me. You know, how are you going to, how are you going to come out with a life changing message from a passage like that? Right. I mean, it just presents unique hurdles to it. Any other hurdles to expositional preaching? I I think a challenge is, is how, how you're going to space out and break up the material. So in other words, you hear some of those famous examples of guys who maybe took eight, nine years to preach through a book of the Bible and so, so I would think, and again, I'm, I'm in an associate role, so I'm not necessarily prepping like sermon series. We'll talk about that in a later episode. But, but I think that, that how to break it out in, in a way that both takes seriously all that there is to draw out of the passages, but at the same time 
is timely in terms of not setting yourself up to go through Matthew in 10 years, Mark in maybe one or two less, but then Luke or John in the same. So, so I think there's a, that becomes a challenge. How do you break it up into meaningful amounts to, to really draw out the richness of the truth and at the same time do it in a way that doesn't necessarily run the course of quite a few years? Yeah. And I, I think part of that also has to do with you have to know your congregation with that. Um, you know, if you go to MacArthur's church here, they're, they're ready for 10 years and whatever, or, you know, you go to some churches Ten years in Romans, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're, they're ready for that. But then in, in some churches, you know, they're not ready for even say two years in the, in the gospel of Luke. I think when you know, we that, get to that the... sounds like a long time to them. So, so learning how to dissect God's word, to be faithful to, to teach it rightly, but also not, not take it so long that people start to miss other aspects of preaching and, and that is hard. Um, another th- another thing that I think is difficult about expositional preaching is I think it takes more preparation. Uh, you cannot just churn out a expositional sermon from the pew to the pulpit. You actually have to do your homework. You have to understand the structure of the text. You have to understand the context of the text historically. Uh, and you have to understand the overarching themes of the book if it's a letter, and you have to understand what kind of a, a book it is. Another hurdle and that I've, I would I would ahead. build off of that just by saying one of the reasons that rings so true um, is because so often you have themes or a theme that is really hammered home uh, in succinct groups of verses and even chapters, and so if you are preaching expositionally and you're going verse by verse if you don't prepare and really dig in you're going to find yourself teaching on this same theme one two three weeks in a row Uh, but if you've not done your homework then you're not going to come any more prepared uh the next sunday than what you were the first sunday as you approach that theme in scripture so i would agree with that big time i would just add one thing y'all y'all all i agree with everything you said in terms of those in terms of those maybe personal or internal challenges, I would just add an external challenge. And that is that many congregations just aren't used to this kind of preaching, Uh, especially here in our part of the country. uh, It's not been what they were used to. And so that's been one thing that, that I've um, learned and kind of had to work through. I've, I've had some people say, well, why do you just go through the whole book like this? Or you spend an awful lot of time in one section before you move on, you know? And so just trying to, to work through that with the people and help them understand the, the logic behind that and the benefits of it, uh, that can be a challenge too. But, but I'll ask you this, you know, again, I said my, my background is weird in the sense that every pastor that I've, I've been with has been, been an expositor. Uh, that's, that's not normal. Um, but after a, a while, have you found that your churches have bought into expository preaching? Like, man, this, this is what I want to hear. I don't want to go back to what I used to hear preaching style. I, I think so. Uh, I, I really think that over time people develop an appetite for it and they, they begin to experience the blessings of it. And so I think it, it's very helpful in the long run. Yeah. Cause I had a student, the, the reason I asked that I had a student who grew up in a different background um, we'll go to that style of preaching, I think, probably next. But his his preacher was more pew to the pulpit, scream, yell, forever, eternity long sermon. And he was like, that's what church is supposed to be like. And they start coming to our church, and he sees Matthew doesn't scream, Matthew doesn't yell. 
and he stays in one passage. We go through this one passage, and I took him fishing last Friday over to Tennessee, and while we were going, we were talking about church and stuff. He's like, yeah, I don't, I can't listen to anybody that doesn't preach the style you preach anymore. He's like, if someone starts yelling, I just tune off because I just, the guy has nothing to say. Hey, the less preparation, the louder the point, right? That's what I was asking because I'm having students that that's becoming the, they would much rather listen to somebody be expository than to be all over the Bible. If someone goes all over the Bible, they're lost. They're like, I can't follow this guy. Um, which I think if, go ahead, um, Neil. Well, no, and I was just going to say to that point, that's where I feel like preparing an, an expository sermon is better to me because it at least gives you somewhere to go each week. Yeah. And that, that to me would be the benefit versus I couldn't imagine the, the mental strain it would take to try and come up with something that is both biblical, um, faithful to the entirety of the theme of scripture um, each week without having a passage to guide me that we prepared to work through in advance. And so, so that's where I, I, I find some comfort in expository preaching because you know where you're going and you're able to build towards it. And, and those, those screamers and yellers, I, I wouldn't want to be like that. No, but I, I've heard that we take the lazy way out because huh. we know where we're going. Like people that aren't expository say that people that are expositors take the lazy way out because you just predetermine on the long run where you're going to go. So you just know where you're going to be next week. You don't have to seek God and see what it is he wants you to preach. It's almost like God chose to give us the Bible that way in like <laughs> a very like organized format with books yeah. that have their own structure and context. It's crazy. Well, well, this is one thing I tell people, you know, I was like, okay, let, let's sit and think about it. Do, do you like to receive letters from people? Yeah. I said, do you have like one person that might send you several letters throughout the course of your life? Yeah. I said, now what if you just read a sentence from each letter and tried to figure out what that person was trying to say to you? I said, you'd have to come up with a lot of stuff to get the context of where you're trying to go. I said, God wrote in books and in, in letters. They're like the letter is supposed to be studied as a letter. Not this section, and then throw in this section over here. But you start to misinform a lot of times what he was trying to say. This is a great segue to the next type of preaching. Speaking of the danger of misinforming, uh, let's talk about topical sermons. Topical sermons. Uh, this is a very common uh, preaching type that we will find in Appalachia, and I'm sure you will find even up in Wisconsin. Uh, topical sermons reign all over the place, and a topical sermon takes a t only takes the topic or subject from the biblical text. The danger is the preacher, according to the preacher's knowledge and desire, can invert and and can <laughs> diversify it uh, and add points and subpoints to the text instead of letting the text often derive the main points. Uh, topical sermons outlines begin with a biblical concept or reference, but are completely based on can can be completely based on the slant of the preacher, because of how they are constructing it. The Bible is not necessarily the one constructing and driving the sermon in a topical sermon. So you may pull from this text and that text and another text to make one succinct point that began with the preacher. Uh, an example of this might be on, say, redemption, the meaning of redemption, the necessity of redemption, the method of redemption, the result of redemption. I've heard sermons preached this way. Uh, or evidences of God's love, as seen in the Bible, as seen in nature, as seen in providence. Uh, the pros of this type, any pros for this? I think sometimes one, 
as hard as it is to say, one of the pros to this is a lot of times when you're doing a topical sermon, people feel more engaged initially because a lot of times it's hitting a specific issue that's currently going on, whether it's in the life of the church, the life of the community, or nationally. So the pastor will preach to a certain issue with some truth to it that sheds light on a particular issue. And so I, I think one of the things is people are able to engage sometimes easier with the topical sermon just because it's addressing a current issue that might be going on, whether that's looking at Black Lives Matter, whether that's looking at social injustices, whether that's looking at national pride around July 4th, you know, these are, people are able to connect a little bit easier to those just because of the, the, the way the pastor is able to just draw the text to get to the point he wants to. If that's a positive, I, I don't know if it is or not. After saying I, what I said, I do think I'm, I'm going to say this. I do think a topical sermon can be a little more sensitive to systematic theology because you can pull on a particular topic and, you know, pull the different points in on that. Um, developing a plan for program for discipleship, it may aid in implementing that. Maybe that's a stretch based on some of your faces, but hey, I'm trying to be generous here. Okay. Come on. Work I, I still think it would be preferable to you know, decide whatever topic you're trying to preach about and then find a passage that addresses that topic. And then oh, we're going to get to that. that passage. I was told to repent after I preached talk with sermons of ordination. So. <laughs> All right. Now, I mean, can you, I guess to go with what Chris is saying, maybe it's something we're going to get to. I mean, I think there are certain guys that can take a topic, go to a text, teach that text with bringing in an expositional framework uh, that then handles the topic that's been given, which is, I think, also the same line you might have been given there, Travis, with something pertaining to discipleship or, you know, things of that matter. But I think you just got to be careful that you, you bring that expositional work to that rather than, as Matthew was talking about, allowing your opinions or your preferences or preconceived ideas and notions to drive the the sermon rather than the text to drive the sermon. Yeah, I think what to, to basically just say exactly what you said in my own words, topical sermons, one of the cons is it can set you up for a soapbox in the pulpit. You can be set up for a soapbox to so just pound it on whatever that soapbox is, issue is for you and uh, can be too general in scope is another problem with with topical preaching. It can be difficult to balance with other biblical truths if it's not done correctly, and uh, doesn't actually give people a meaningful picture and view of biblical theology overall, I don't think so. All right, any other types of sermons that come to mind, or you want to just go with those two main ones? There's one other one I've got to throw out. All right. It's the craziest one I've ever seen in my life. And I cannot remember the, like the name of it, but I remember us discussing an actual name of it in college. And this is like, I think it's like a narrative sermon, maybe what it is. And it was around Christmas. And I'll never forget this in my life. My wife was at a church and we were attending and we were looking for a pastor. They had this guy filling in. And every week he preached on a different character from the Christmas story. So he might be preaching on the wise men and he formulated and created a whole sermon 
what was going through the wise men's minds as they were heading to Jerusalem? Well, I Jerusalem. even know I, I even know pastors who will dramatize that and yeah. take take the character of a wise man and present it in first person type way. Yeah, that, that's that's what he did, and I was sitting there going, "Where did you say you know somebody? Do you mean you dress up like wise men at Christmas time?" And- <laughs> Sit down and have the children gather around and tell them about following a star. Gather around, you children. No, it's it's not it's not me. But, but like I think it's like a narrative sermon or something like that. But there's there's pastors out there that, that do this with different events, whether that's not just you know, they take a different character, a different person in the Bible and preach a sermon in a first person view as adding to what was going on in their mind and preaching a sermon that way. It's crazy. Is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's different. I will say this though, after many years of preaching, it is hard to deliver Luke chapter two in a fresh way after you've done it for ten years. So this is you what you, I'm you just saying. Like, I, I'm not art. saying you should do it. I'm saying I'm sympathetic to the attempts to be creative. But uh, anyway, uh, but do you right. have to preach the Christmas narrative every year? Depends on if you're in a church that loves Christmas or not. Mm. So, so along with what Jaron was saying earlier, and we've talked about so far, is, I mean, one of these things is, is when we're doing a topical sermon, is it still topical if you choose to exposit a passage on a specific topic versus topical as trying to trace a certain topic through various places in Scripture in a single sermon? So, so is it still, would you call... Say say it in light of some of the recent um, discussions we've had on race in our country. If you were to expound on Ephesians chapter two, is that an expositional sermon or is that topical? Even though you may have gone there in light of what was going on recently, it, is that a fair question? Is it still topical if you choose to exposit a passage? I think when you look at the nature of expositories typically going through books of the Bible. If you're not going through books of the Bible and say, hey, this Sunday, because of what's going on in the nation, we're going to take a break and we're going to look at this issue. I think the nature of it might be seen as topical because it's not a book, chapter, verse series. To me, and I, I know people that can preach that way, that, that are topical, like they're hit different issues, but exegete the text. I think that's a merging of the two. But I think people, most people I know would still classify that as a form of topical preaching. I think, I think it is a a blend of both, but I think maybe the degree to which it's one or the other depends upon how much the main point you're trying to make is actually the main point that that biblical author was making. Like that's the key in expository sermons is that the the point or points need to come straight out of the text. If you're, if you're using that passage uh, to preach on a certain topic, even if you know it's not the main passage or the main point of that passage, but it's maybe a secondary point, then I would say that leans more toward topical as opposed to expository. I would almost call that a third category personally. I think I would call that maybe like textual preaching, where it's not necessarily hooked up to the sermon you did last week, but you're still letting the text derive the the outline of the sermon. So I would almost put that in a category to itself. You know what I mean? So personally, but anyway. 
Uh, all right, let's, we got we to gotta move on for time's sake here. Uh, let's talk about variations in style. And I, I mentioned this when we were kind of prepping for this. And there's two words, inductive and deductive in preaching. Uh, what is inductive and deductive in preaching? Well, inductive, I'll go with, I mean, <laughs> inductive is you're moving the readers towards the point you're trying to make. So you're building up towards your main point that you're going to introduce at a later point in the sermon. Whereas deductive is you're probably going to present the main point early in the sermon and then work that main point out through the implications of your sermon delivered. Would you say that captures kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, I would say deductive preaching is what we have uh, a lot of times traditionally done. Deductive preaching begins with a general conclusion and then deducts certain points or um, exalt, uh, you know, pointing towards the conclusion. Whereas inductive, in contrast, starts with the um, parameters maybe of human experience and moves towards conclusions of the gospel as the sermon unfolds. Uh, you know, Mark um, Dever, preacher I think a lot of us like to listen to, very um, deductive in style, right? You're dumb. Here's four reasons that you're dumb. And then you walk away and say, I'm dumb. And there's the four reasons why I'm dumb. Right. Inductive is probably more like Charles Stanley. That was one of my favorite sermons. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, I, those are variations of style. And so they can have within any of those three that we just had there. For the sake of time, though, I'm going to move on. Let's talk so you were going to say, just real quickly, you were going to say Charles Stanley would be more uh, an example of inductive. Yeah. And I wouldn't point to Charles Stanley as an overall good example in several categories, but we can talk about that later. Uh, he has quite an obsession with mysticism. And so, you know, I know, kind of hard to believe. But give me, just for myself and I guess other listeners, give me this. You played out an example of, of what that deductive looks like. Could you give a quick example of what the inductive? St- Stanley will come out and say, well, I gave you the, the Dever one. Stanley will come out yeah. and say, uh, friends, do you lay in bed at night and have anxiety? Where is your anxiety coming from? How does the anxiety work? So he, instead of making a deductive statement, he's going to preach through and, you know, answer that question that he posed in the beginning. Do you see what I'm saying? Whereas Dever's going to come out and say, you're an idiot. And here's four reasons why you're an idiot. Stop being mm-hmm. an idiot and repent. You know what I mean? Like in the in his process, there's the the listener may walk away with a sermon like Stanley delivers and say, okay, I think I should do this based on the question that was said and then the points that were made. But with Dever, it's like, okay, it's very clear what was said and then what I need to do from that. So. Yeah. Travis, I know you're wanting to move on, but I've got to just say here, I think there are real positives to both of those. Mm-hmm. I think depending on your congregation and your, your, your style, your personality, I think either one of those can be really effective because in the inductive style, I think you're taking advantage of the, the way that adults at least typically learn. And that's, they don't just sit there and absorb you telling them something. They like to take part in that discovery process. But then on the other hand, with deductive, you're making it as clear and plain and simple as possible so that mm-hmm. there's no way they're going to miss it. You, you tell them where you're going to take them and then you take them there and then you tell them where you took them. Right. So mm-hmm. like there's no, there's, there's no chance they're really going to miss it if you do it well. 
Right. Those are just two preachers I've listened to a lot off the top of my head that I give examples from. But yes, there could be a place for both of those. And depending on the text that you're working with, one text that style may work better with, that style variation may work better with than another. Um, and I'm sure we can um, we could probably find more examples of that if we had more time in this episode. But I'm going to move forward now to what is the goal for preaching? What should be our goal in preaching? Because I think too many times, uh, let's just get somebody up there, get him to preach, and the question of what the goal is is not asked, answered. So what is the goal of preaching? So the short answer is to glorify God. Good question. None of us, none of us apparently know beyond that. So, we're, we're, we keep our jobs. I'm not the, sure. <laughs> the reason I say that's a good question is I think there's so many different views of what the, the goal is. Yes, we want to, ex- we want to glorify God in our preaching. We want to exalt Christ in our preaching. We want Christ to be the center of our preaching. But when you look at it from a practical standpoint outside of glorifying God and exalting Christ is I think our preaching is a twofold purpose on a Sunday morning. You might disagree with me, Travis, and that'll be okay. The first is I think that the most people that are gathering on a Sunday are believers in Christ. So our job as pastors is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So we are equipping them and calling them and expecting them. Here is God's word. This is what God's word calls us to do. Now this is what we're supposed to do in response. So a, an expository sermon is going to lead people to hear what it is God's calling us to do and then go do it. But the sermon at the same point should also be presenting the need for those that don't know Christ. And so I think when you look at a twofold purpose outside the realm of glorifying and magnifying Christ is a sermon that leads people, leads people in Christ to be equipped to do the work God's called him to, but also draws non-believers to the gospel. And I, and I would just say that neither one of those are outside the realm of glorifying God. I would say God is glorified when uh, his children are equipped as saints for the work of the ministry and that God is glorified when the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, and his glory and the, the glory of Christ is magnified to those who's, who are far from him. So I would say both of those would come underneath of or be inside of all that it means to glorify God in the midst of and through our preaching. When we look at preachers in the Old Testament, prophets of the Old Testament, who speak on behalf of God to the people, what is their goal when they speak to the people on behalf of God? Let me give you a Wouldn't wouldn't you say the goal of that prophet is to faithfully communicate the message God has delivered to them? Hmm. And, and so in some sense, like, like when I preach, I, I want to think about the hearers. And I know, I think it was Stott who would always talk about you exposit the passage and you exposit the people. And that's then how you build the sermon. But I think in some sense, like in the case of the prophets, and I wish I could remember, Mark Dever talked about a guy at T4G this year who preached for years at a church where they did not want him. And they actually locked him out of the building for all these years. And I can't remember the exact context. I believe it may have been an Anglican church and there were politics involved in all of this. But here you have a guy who is being faithful to his call to exposit the scriptures, but it's not resulting in life change or even obedience from the hearers until a long period of time. And so in some ways, you have to ask if you're being faithful even before you begin to talk about or try and measure effectiveness. Because faithfulness may result in in the hardening of hearts 
and not in the softening of hearts and in obedience. So, so and that's a tough one because what were you going to well, say? Let me take you to a scenario in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel 12. David has committed, a, he has committed adultery and he has committed murder. He is guilty of these two things. And you're Nathan and you have to deliver what God wants David to hear. What's your options to tell the king he's caught in adultery, he's caught in sin, he's unrepentant, right? You're he, this man. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could march in there and say, adulterer, murderer, stop it. <laughs> Like you, you, he could go in there and do that, but how does Nathan do it? He paints an illustration of a man who had his stuff taken. Well, what would you do if this was you? David responds and says, this is the penalty. David, you are this man. You are the, you did this. Inductive preaching. <laughs> <laughs> there is a wisdom in drawing David in emotionally first, isn't there? Nathan undoubtedly had critical information that he needed to share, but he draws him in here. So I, I'm going to make this, and this is not very theological, I don't guess, of a statement, but I think it's a very true statement. I think that the goal of preaching must be custom-built to change lives. When people hear the word, their life is impacted and changed. Would you agree with that? I think so. Yeah. Uh, It's got to be, if it's not aimed at application, then it's really just kind of an intellectual exercise. And so we we don't want to stop there, right? We want to be doers of the word and encourage our people to be doers of the word. Verse that came to my mind was Nehemiah 8.8. It says they read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. I think in a, in a big part, that's the job of a preacher is to, to, to read the book, translate, give the meaning, help people understand what it says and show them why it matters and how it applies. At the end of the day, you're a messenger. You've been called to proclaim, to be the herald, uh, to use the word uh, as you take it from the text what God has said. And I would just say in, in light of what Travis said, I would tie that back into what Neil had said previously. I think as you think about purpose, you can't evaluate necessarily only off of the results of what come from that, but as to whether or not you're be being faithful in that being the herald and the messenger all for the glory of God, uh, no matter what response comes. And certainly we don't do it not caring for response. That's, I mean, that should be a burden in all of our hearts is to see the people respond for God's glory, to see lives transformed, see hearts changed. But I think, you know, that balance that Neil pointed out is so crucial that we we got to remember above all, we're called to be faithful in the work um, before first off trying to measure the worth in regards to the outcomes that we see in the way people respond. Now, I once heard the story of a, of a guy that was walking out the door, as oftentimes people do when we're done preaching, and shook the preacher's hand and said, oh, thank you, pastor, today you really stepped on my toes. And the pastor looked up at him and said, that's too bad, I was aiming for your heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, beat us up, pastor, we want to be beat up. It's like, no, we're not aiming for beating you up and stomping toes, we're aiming for your heart, that it would be turned to the Lord. And that 
as we said, yeah. It, applying, helping the people apply. I read a survey this week, uh, 58 or, or near 60% of churchgoers say that they don't understand scripture when they sit down and read it alone, that yeah. they struggle to understand it and apply it. And so you're modeling and preaching what they should be doing in everyday life. So preach. All right. I think we're going to have to land the plane here. I had one more topic, but I'm just going to bump it over for preparation for the next time. And so thanks for joining us this week. This is going to be a three-part series. Next one's going to be on preparation. And then we're going to have one more on delivery for these three. And then we're going to, we're going to end this little series on preaching. So uh, thanks for tuning in. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.